Welcome to the Pro Church Marketing Podcast. Are you a church leader or nonprofit director that wants to reach more people online? If so, you're going to want to listen to what John O'Long has to say about the latest trends in online marketing for churches and faith based nonprofits. Here's your host, John O'Long. All right, all right. Well, thanks so much uh, for hanging with me a little bit, Jonathan. I'm uh, John O with FaithWorks Marketing, and this is Jonathan Mom with a little bit of everything, man. Why don't you give, yeah. give us the give us the short version of who you are and what you do and what is life and all the things you got your hands in? Yeah, I am an encourager. I am a person who loves helping people see clearly through all the mess, especially in ministry. The problem with Sunday morning coming every week is that it can very quickly become about like this one thing that happens every Sunday and it becomes a survival spiral and you don't see clearly. So I love through my projects, helping people get ideas, getting encouraged, getting perspective on life. So I do some writing. Um, me and my uh, writing partner, Jason Young, we have a couple of books called The Comeback Effect, The Volunteer Effect. Um, the Comeback Effect is obviously hospitality related volunteer effect, volunteer related, leading volunteers. And then we have a book coming out in July called Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. And it's basically nice. an anti-burnout book. So it's not like like what to do if you burnt out. It's like, no, how do you, how do you not burn out in the first place? Ideally, yeah, right? imagine uh, that. So that's, yeah, that's the topic of that book. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. So I do that with my writing. Um, I run a website called Sunday Social. We create social media graphics that churches can use um we create like four graphics a day uh that churches can grab from the library and post up on instagram facebook uh, on reels all sorts of stuff so get a chance to help churches with social media with writing and then i do some instagram posts myself uh just some silly little videos that i've been starting to enjoy doing uh, so if you can follow me at jonathan mall on instagram you can see all my uh all the stuff that's you know, that, that relatable stuff about working at a church, that's the type of content I create. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Which is how I found you. And then, and I was like, Oh, this dude, this guy gets it. And, and uh, I said this to you before, like, yeah, what I, what I love about your reels, it's like, it's like picket at church stuff, but not like mean. And yeah. it's obvious you still love the church. You, you love the church and, and that this is just shining a light on some of those unique things that unless you're on church staff, you just don't, you just don't get some of this stuff. It's just a weird, it's a weird universe. It's a little bubble. <laughs> it's, definitely. Definitely. So, so you mentioned, you know, the, with, with the burnout, um, you, you're, you're writing a book on avoiding burnout and um, you, you mentioned being an encourager. So what, what kind of set you on the path to helping people, uh, avoid burnout. Why, why is that such a big deal to you? Um, and, and you mentioned something that I resonated with too, the, the whole Sunday comes every week or as a youth pastor for me, it was like, Oh my gosh, it's all, it's already Wednesday again. I've got youth group yeah. again or on Tuesdays. Like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to teach about tomorrow night? And, and um, even though I should have been prepared like a week in advance confession, uh, I wasn't. And so yeah, man, it, it gets it gets a little stressful, and and you can really quickly start dreading 
those, I think Andy Stanley said, it's like, uh, when he was talking about a sermon, he, he mentioned, he's like, imagine having a term paper, a 20 page term paper due every week <laughs> and it's yeah. never going to end. And it's like, yeah, sometimes it felt like that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's the problem with ministry is it, it's so hard to have perspective on it. And I see so many people in ministry that are this way where it's about, you know, your planning center roster. If you're leading volunteers, like I have 20 people and all I'm seeing all week is all the people who haven't confirmed. And I'm so laser focused on surviving this Sunday. And consequently it can keep you from making decisions that will help you a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road. You get so laser focused on the tree in front of you that you miss the forest. Uh, and I, I mean, it's cool. I've met a few people in ministry that have been able to, you know, see the forest through the trees. Uh, but it, it's, that's the rare situation, not the rule. Normally, it's people who are just so focused on this one thing in front of them, surviving that. And then you find yourself in the exact same spiral. It's like that movie Groundhog Day, right? Where every day, every week repeats itself because you didn't do anything to advance the ball long term you just survive that play. Um, I mixing metaphors talking about groundhog day and then football and all that, but you know what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So, so does this go back to some church staff experience you had? Um, how, yeah. How I mean, I, so I've grown up, I've grown up in church in the church. Uh, my dad planted a church whenever I was six years old. It was um, so Kerrville, Texas is a small town in Texas this was a suburb out of Kerrville, Texas. So it was tiny country. Um, at the height of our church, we had a hundred people. Um, I remember you know, there was one Sunday where, you know, a, a deer got hit in the middle of the, the service out on the highway. And a couple of guys got up, grabbed the guns from their trucks and put the deer out of its mer- misery. Like just to like, just to <laughs> be good people. And like that's a little ministry that morning. Yeah, it was it was a very it was a very interesting situation. So that's where I grew up. Then we went to Guatemala where we were missionaries, so lived there for 6 years. So I've had a chance to small churches in uh in in the US, small churches in Guatemala and villages in Guatemala, mega churches in Guatemala, mega churches in the US, everywhere in between. Uh we came back then my dad uh when I was in college, the church where he and my wa- my mom my wife, my mom met, uh, they'd just gone through a massive church split. There was a lawsuit pending against the old pastor. Um, they'd bought a, they'd bought a property to build a building. Um, but obviously there were only 75 people now in the church and this million dollar property that they couldn't afford. Uh, that's where I like learned ministry where I started working at a church. I went to college, then came on staff there and yeah, I got a chance to see the ugly, the good, the bad, the ugly. And as a pastor's kid, as a missionary kid, and somehow survived. But I have a heart for people in ministry because I've seen I've seen what it can do to families. I've seen what it can do to people. Uh, I want to help as many people as possible survive ministry and not, not, not end it hating God and hating the church, right? Like, I want people to love God, love the church, love their families, and love ministry. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome because, yeah, the, there's a lot of guys and, and, yeah, they're not just burning out. I mean, they're like blaze of glory, blazing, out. flaming yeah. out. And, and yeah, not, I mean, 
at best, it just left extremely cynical towards the church, towards, and, and sometimes that gets transferred over to God and, and their relationship oh, yeah. with God awesome. suffers if it, if it survives. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and usually, usually it comes from this weird place. I mean, I found this whenever I was in ministry is I quickly found my time with God became prep for my job. And so it was no longer time with God. It was research for my job. So I would read a verse and I'm like, Ooh, that would, that would make a great, you know, worship intro or, or that would make a great social media post or i needed yeah. to give that to my dad or to the pastor another pastor i was working with to use for his message you know like it it very quickly became not about me and god but about my job and yeah the bible and not even me or god involved yeah yeah they, they totally um identify with that it's uh especially I don't know. Well, not especially, but just as a youth pastor coming up with a message every week or as a pastor coming up mm -hmm. with a message every week, it's hard not to, well, one, hard not to just go into the Bible just thinking, okay, what, what's going to preach? I'm, I need something to use. Um, but, you know, th then on the flip side, thinking, well, I need to spend some time in the Word. But I did because yeah. I was planning for that sermon. So that was that was plenty. That that was good, you know. I, I never yeah, and there's... There's like a there's like a dopamine charge from ministry, unfortunately, where leading worship, speaking, if I do well, I get rewarded. If I do poorly, I don't get rewarded. It's almost like it's almost like gambling, right? Like where like those lights and sounds are meant to to trigger those dopamine receptors. You know, yeah. whenever people are like hanging on our every word or whenever they have their hands raised or like it can very quickly give us this this feeling that we crave it's almost like on social media anytime i have a video that goes viral it's the best feeling in the world all those notifications popping in yeah and then when that goes away it's devastating and i'm scrambling to try to get that dopamine back i'm scrambling to try to get that feeling back of 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 relevance or value or whatever and that can happen a lot in ministry too so that's part of why we do it is because we're so desperate to get that moment of, man, the, the youth are hanging on my every word or uh, everyone in the congregation is just with me and we're worshiping. And I backed away from the mic and they were screaming loud and I could hear them singing, you know, like all those, oh, it feels so good. It's so great, yeah. but we can chase that high instead of chasing the spirit or whatever, you know, whatever, however spiritual you make it of chasing yeah. the actual, what, what is, what are we actually trying to accomplish? We're doing ministry. It's not about us, but it becomes right. about us very easily. Yeah. Yeah. So would you agree? Like, cause I've said this like carefully before and, uh, but I've thought a lot about it. I think, I think being a pastor or being on a church staff in a position, in a role that requires you to be on stage regularly, worship student ministry or, or lead pastor or teaching pastor. I, I think that's as close to being a celebrity as you can get and experience a little, just a little bit, a sliver of what a celebrity would experience um, without becoming a celebrity. Like, you know, you deal with, yeah. you, you deal with a lot of people knowing your name that you don't know their name. You deal with getting yeah. to get up in front of a crowd. Um, and, you know, I wasn't the deepest teacher, but I, I could tell, I could crack jokes, you know? And so if you're somebody mm -hmm. who loves to make people laugh and people laugh at your jokes on stage, that's that dopamine shot. And then, yeah. there, then there's the going in the grocery store and getting recognized and, 
you don't recognize them, but there's always a compliment, you know, and all that stuff. And it's like, like, I mean, in my, in my younger days, that was not good for my, my ego. It was not good for my humility. As, as I got older, um, I still think it it probably still wasn't good for me. Um, but I I did mellow out and just didn't need it as much, but uh, and so I always felt like, well, there's this danger. If you're not really, if you don't have your stuff together, that's, that could really mess you up in a lot of different ways and cause you yeah. to stumble in a lot of different ways. And I wonder if some of that, you have to be careful. This is something we'll probably edit out, but um, <laughs> does it attract, does it have the potential to attract someone who needs that level of attention? And who is seeking that out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely, it definitely can. I think, I think most people, I mean, I think this is, this is, a, this is the case with a lot of things is you get into it with good intentions. Well, I'd say half and half. I would say this is true of cops too. So we do probably need to edit this out where you have cops who are like genuinely wanting to serve their community and they feel this call to like, yeah. I want to make a difference. You know, there was a police officer in my life that, uh, man, they, I, I looked up to them and I saw that they protected us and it was so valuable. And I want to do that for other people. And then you have other people who have no aim for their life and see the promise of power and see that they get to carry a gun and they're going to wield that against people. Right. Yeah. Uh, same thing with, with, with ministry. You have people who've seen the celebrity past. You're like, Oh, I want to get that. I want, I want to be famous. I want to, you know, and then you have people who are like, you know, I had a past that spoke in my life and, they were, you know, they were, they impressed me so much and I want to be able to do that for other people. Then you get uh, popular because you're a good speaker or because you're really good at what you do and people flock around you. And then in our celebrity culture, we lift up these people that are talented and we, be, we, we turn them into celebrities. That yeah. whole celebrity pastor thing, it's not necessarily something people are looking for. There are some people, but a lot of times it's just inevitable that people know your name, people recognize you, you you have a successful ministry and people are going to turn you into celebrities. So yeah, it's tough. It's, um, it's really, it's really difficult. And unless what would you your have... encouragement be to that guy who's he's not a celebrity pastor, he's not at that level. He's pastoring a church of 500, 600,000 people. And I would say that's still a celebrity. Are that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, that's a local celebrity. You're, you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get recognized. You're going to, there's going to be people who want your attention and who are trying to get to you and want to spend time with you. And, um, how do you, what, what's your encouragement to that guy? One of the best things is to not make that your whole identity, which is really hard in ministry, but have a group of friends that don't know who you are, meaning they don't care. Like, meaning hang out with people that probably aren't Christian really. (laughs) Uh, you know, like, I mean, so, on my Instagram, I have, you know, 20,000 followers. I'm on podcasts like this. And, you know, if you, if you look, look, look up my name or if you're in the church space, like, oh, you maybe know Jonathan mom, but then everyone, nobody at my church knows that like I'm anything at all. Like they they just know me as Jonathan mom, the person. Right. And so I get that benefit of having a community of people that they don't care. They don't think I'm that cool. I mean, they like me for who I am, but they don't yeah. necessarily think that I'm like influential to them. Uh, and I'd say that's really important to have that in your life. Have a group of people that, yeah, they don't, they don't care. Like they don't care that you have 500 people who listen to you every Sunday or that you, you know, talk to God or whatever, whatever yeah. you're going to call the things that these perspectives people have of pastors. Um, and that's hard to find that community, but you know, 
go go skateboarding like my pastor does this he he goes to coffee shops and or he goes to shows he goes to you know like uh rock shows and he goes skateboarding yeah. and he has these these communities of people that they don't carry the pastor like he pastors yeah. them while he's there that's also a ministry for them but they also don't care yeah yeah no that's good that's good i i think one of the things that sticks out for me is is with with my wife um I wouldn't say I wouldn't say giving her permission. That's a terrible way to say it. But letting her know, hey, I'm not going to pout and be a turd if you point out something that you think is me being a little, me lacking humility in some areas. You know, like yeah. uh, no, it is give, that is giving. She did that. It's the same and, way. And it was it's the same way David did it with investigate my heart, God, right? Or like or search me, oh God, right? Like yeah. Uh, it's that same thing. Like he, I'm giving you permission to call out the stuff you see in me. That's not honoring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and for sure. That was, that was huge for me. That that was a big kids too. kids. Let your kids do it too. So my dad, who was a pastor, there were a few key moments in my life that he did that for us. And I think that I, I can contribute that partially to, to me surviving ministry was, you know, we called out some things like, Hey, you have some anger issues and this is how it manifests. And he sat us down and said, tell me about it. I want to get better. Um, so understanding that his role is a, we didn't care that he was a pastor. Like that's yeah. a, that's a perfect example of it. Yeah. And he submitted to, he's not, you know, obviously he's our leader, but he also submitted to us. That's, that's the Christian life, right? You mutually submit to one another. Even if you're in a position of power, you still submit to one another. So yeah, that, I, I think you can definitely use our families for that as well. Yeah. And Go serve in children's ministry. If you need <laughs> our, our children's pastor's out on maternity leave and I'm leading Wednesday nights for her for like seven weeks. And wow. so two weeks ago was the first week. And uh, so I showed up in there and uh, uh, the first thing out of my mouth was like, all right, guys, well, Miss Jen, she's having her baby. So I'm going to be with you guys for the next seven weeks. All right. And a couple of kids were like, all right, cool. My son's in there. He's like, yeah. This one, this one girl goes, oh, and then she saw me and, I, and she was like, oh, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I was like, no, that was so genuine. And you didn't, you, you didn't even, you couldn't even stop yourself. Um, yeah. How, that's how sad you are that I'm leading this. And so that was humbling. Like these kids don't care. They will tell you, they will tell you that your shoes look dumb and that you're not funny. And uh, so if, if your pastor struggling with, you feel like you got a little ego that may need tamping down. Just go serve one Sunday in the children's ministry. They will fix it. I would it. say youth for some people is that same way. Like, yeah. You know, you're as youth pastor, but man, youth can cut you to your core. They can say things <laughs> that will just destroy you. Yeah. This yeah. is supposedly the no bullying generation, and they're the worst bullies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have cried in my car on the way home from youth group. <laughs> I, I'm... It could have happened. So come so and get are, me, mom. They're being mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back. We're going to find a new youth. Yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of those types of things, one of my favorite things to hear from guys, and one of my favorite things to sit around and, and share is just like some of the crazy church stuff that's happened to us that you just can't happen anywhere else. I told the story of. Uh, um, there was a girl, we, we did a ski trip. First year I was a youth pastor. I was 19. They let me take a group of like 10 kids to West Virginia from Atlanta. Uh, me and my, she wasn't even my fiance at the time. She was my girlfriend and uh, she's not my wife, but 
Um, I was like a year <laughs> older than the seniors in the youth group. And we went to West Virginia. Well, one of the girls, the, these two girls were fighting over a guy. And, and uh, one of the girls decided that she wasn't getting enough attention, attention from the guy. And so in order to get some more attention, she concocted this story. She comes in night two of the ski trip telling us that she had just got off the phone with her mom and her dad had been hit by a drunk driver and was in a coma <laughs> and we needed to get home. So we prayed with her that next morning. We left the ski retreat two days early, the whole way home. The guy that she had a crush on has got his arms wrapped around her and just holding her. And, and then we get, we're, we finally make it back to the parking lot of the church and guess who pulls in because they were on their way to dinner and saw that we were oh, back gosh. early. Her dad, who was supposed to be in a coma, <laughs> she had made the whole thing up, man. The whole thing. And uh, this was like 1999. So she called the entire youth group, said, hey, guys, you know, I don't know what happened. And her story was that she thinks that the lines, she was on a payphone, the lines must have got crossed up. And and um, I was talking to someone else's mom, and somewhere out there, there's a daughter who doesn't know that her dad's been in a, in a, in a wreck. Oh, <laughs> that was like my, that was like month four of youth ministry. And I almost quit. I almost quit after that. And, and it only got better from there. So anyway, so have you got any of those, like, just, this is crazy. People being crazy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my stories are more, not so much on, on like people being crazy. It's just like, we, you know, we, we were in this, there was this season of the church where like creativity was everything and we have to be creative. Thank you, Ed Young, probably for, for creating that culture with the C3 movement. Right. Uh, and so our church, we were, you know, the building was built in the seventies and we were trying to figure out how can we be relevant? How can we be creative? And we just did such dumb things like in hindsight, like, you know, I mean, I'm glad we did them cause they were like, they were great experiments, but like, you know, one time we did, this was a lot of times led by me because uh, I was the young kid on staff and I had my dad's ear because I was his son. But one time we did, um, my dad wanted to do a, a biblical survey. So just, you know, three weeks, we just talk about the Bible and its place in history and kind of chronologically how, how the story unfolds. And it's just like an overview of the Bible. And I was like, oh, that's boring. We got to be relevant. We got to be, we got to be creative. And so I suggested this idea. Uh, we called it the history of the world. And we basically interluded skits in between these, you know, the segments of the Bible. And uh, so it was like these Monty Python type skits. We had, you know, uh, a host, my dad came out in a tux and we had a spotlight on him. And then, you know, we would do these like silly little skits in between to like illustrate the different uh, the different seasons, uh, you know, the uh, different eras of the, of the Bible. And it was, it was a really bad idea, very memorable, but for the wrong reason, yeah. everyone probably remembers the skits and the craziness more than anything from the Bible. Yeah. So that was a bad idea. Um, another time we, uh, we, we, it was Easter and we wanted to like do this really cool spring thing. This one, fortunately wasn't my idea, but a lady on our staff was like, you know what we should do? We should put real grass on the stage like real grass on the stage to make it really springy. And so we did that and it was ridiculous because we had to like, our maintenance guy had to like water the grass during the week on our stage, carpeted stage. Uh, <laughs> so we had like, you know, we put down, we put down like, you know, the tarps and everything to keep it safe. But by the end of the fourth week, 
I was walking on mud. I would come out to lead worship and I'm like sloshing through mud, like, oh. and then like leading. And of course I'm, you know, like rocking out and like for three services and I'm stomping in the same spot. So the, the grass is getting destroyed. It's, it's, it's really funny looking back on it, but it was such a bad idea. <laughs> uh, I've got a friend who was a worship pastor. He is a worship pastor. And uh, at one of the churches he served at for their Christmas Eve services, him and his creative team, and he was kind of in that environment too, like where it's just like, let's just push it. Whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Push the envelope. Creative as possible, whatever it takes. And they decided that at each of their like six Christmas Eve services, they were going to do a drawing and uh, with of kids. You, you put your kid's name in the drawing and they bought puppies and had, they were going. Oh, no. And we're going to have the puppies and a kid at every Christmas Eve service was going to win a puppy. And I watched it. I saw the Facebook post go out and I sat on my couch for an hour and just watched it explode. And what I thought was coming was going to be the church people swarming saying, you know, you're taking the focus off. Of Jesus. Oh, no. And, and, and I'm thinking, I can actually see where this is going though. I'm thinking as a parent, you're not giving my kid, if my kid wins that puppy, we're not taking yeah. it. Like there's, I'm yeah. not taking another dog. Uh, but no, none of that. That was crickets. But every animal rights activist, every PETA animal, pro-animal person just lost their mind. How do you know yeah. it's going to go to a family that's going to take care of it? Are you going to get the shots. I mean, just everything. And needless to say, no puppies were given away that year, but um, <laughs> man, the, the, the puppy people, they, they so yeah, he, I love, I love hearing him tell that story. Cause that was a great idea. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love those. Like there was another time I think gas was starting to get expensive and we're like, what if we like, you know, if you come to, if you try out church for the first time, we'll give you a gas card. And so I was like, what if we do like our church gives you gas? We can do an ad campaign, like, and it was like the joke. The joke was it was joke. I like totally understood that, that was what we were, what it sounded right. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. Ooh, this will be so funny, and like that one wasn't approved. But like those ideas that you're like, ooh, this is amazing because you get in that bubble, yeah, and you like you forget that the real world exists. It's yeah, it's funny. <laughs> we did we did gas buy downs where we would go to the gas station and we got them to like we would, the church would pay like a dollar per gallon towards your gas. And, you know, we oh, that's fun. it was cool, but dude, I, we didn't prepare for the traffic. You, you know, we didn't prepare. We didn't have police officers for the traffic. That's going to be lined up a mile down the road. Yeah. And we didn't prepare for people, you know, to break up fights among people who were trying to get to the pop. So that was a little scary. It was a little scary. Yeah. But yeah, those, those great ideas. Sometimes uh, we need someone on our team who just thinks rationally. Somebody, <laughs> yeah, we, we need a not church staff member to be in on some of these discussions. Like, guys, yeah, I always, I always also say that it's important to have like someone with a middle schooler's mind to help the pastor prepare their message, uh, just to see, you know, those things that he's going to say or she's going to say that might uh, 
that has a different meaning nowadays than what you think it does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Need a middle, need a middle school boy in there. Like let's just bounce yeah. it off, bounces off of him. That's good. Bounce this off, Timmy. What do you think? You got if he, if he chuckles, you got a problem. You got to work on. Is, does that does any of these words mean anything sexual? In 2023. Or all the pastors, you know, who are, you know, they heard the term Netflix and chill and didn't realize that that meant like coming over for a hookup. Like, yeah, yeah. People still use that incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so shifting gears a little bit to so social media, online presence. Um, what, what do you think churches, like if, if they just could give their online presence, their social media, one big booster shot. Like what what would you say that is? Yeah. I mean one of the best things that I found for content that I create is that that's me moment. Like I relate to that. Uh we so often focus on, you know, we have to get people to come to our church, we have to get people to come to this event, or, you know, we have a Bible verse that we want to share. Um but one of the best things you can do is think through your daily experience, your life. So think through, you know, when I'm reading this Bible verse, what am I thinking? Or whenever I'm thinking about this topic, what, what, what's my experience with it? And then make content that has that like, oh, they understand me. They get me. Because that's what works on social media right now. To be honest, not necessarily funny. My videos, like people laugh at them a lot. And they're not that funny, to be honest. But they're relatable. Yeah, And that's one of the best things we can do on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Reels, on Facebook, is that, like, I have felt that. I've been there. I feel that pain. Uh, we don't need to necessarily solve the problem in our post. We just need to touch on that pain point. And then in our caption, we can give them hope. So, hey, that's where, that's when we start inviting the church. Or we say, hey, you know, read this verse. Or that's when we say, um, you know, do this, do that. If you relate to this post, here's my help for you. Um, and it changing your perspective to the, you know, the, the things you post to that perspective is going to really increase your effectiveness on social media. Hmm. That's good. That's really good. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I think that, um, well, when I have the conversations with, with churches and we have a lot of churches with their social media, uh, it's, it hasn't dawned on them that for the most part, 10% of the people that follow their page uh, are seeing their posts. Yeah. And that, that Facebook, if that. you know, yeah, yeah. If you're lucky and, and that, that Facebook really stifles the the reach of your posts. And, and so that helps them shift because I think most of them just think of kind of like, it's just outbound marketing. Let's just throw it out there so that our people see yeah. it. And, once they get in their head like, oh, well, not many people are seeing this unless it gets shared and really grabs people. Uh, and, and look, you know, your, your, your graphic about your, your whatever, your event that you're doing that is a cool event, but it's not really stopping people from scrolling and it's not engaging and they're, they're, they're not sharing it. So if you can get yeah. out of the mindset that this is just a big advertising platform and really yeah, try to put stuff that's out there that's relatable and people are going to really appreciate. Then, um, yeah, things get a lot better. Yeah, you don't you don't have to beat the algorithm. Like, and I think that's a lot of times you know when you're on Facebook groups, these church communication space group groups, they're always talking about like what posts have you created lately that beat you know that beat the system or that worked you know that 
got and and really just they're thinking like what kind of you know what kind of special tabasco can i put on this that like will suddenly make it work and there's no there's no easy way to do it like the, the way you do it is you create content that people love and then it gets shared or you know people spend 10 minutes engaging with it and then instagram says oh this must be good quality content because people are actually commenting liking it sharing it you know looking through all the things re-watching the video that's all the algorithm the algorithm is there to help you find good quality content like that's yeah. the point like they want to know is this post good or is this post not good if the post is good they're going to keep po- boosting it out to people so yeah and the algorithm good quality too- content it's going to get seen Exactly. The algorithm is just looking for those signals. Just, I mean, that, that's what it's your friend. It's, it's looking for signals and the signals are whatever tells the algorithm that people like it. Yeah. They like yeah. it. Sure. They come yeah, it's not, they, it's not something you have to fight against. It's, it's something that you can work with and it's actually a great tool for you. Yeah. And, and if, <laughs> if it doesn't do well, it's not the algorithm's fault. It's that it just, yeah, people didn't like it. So try again. Yeah. And the truth is, and a lot of times, two people think that the algorithm is somehow hiding Christian content. It's not. But, you know, your post about, um, you know, whatever the, you know, that, that's, that event, that men's, men's breakfast, it's not because it's Christian content that it's hiding. Just nobody cares to share the men's breakfast thing. No one's that excited about it. Yeah, your, your stock photo of a plate of pancakes that says men's breakfast is not that engaging. I mean, not compelling. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, what did you expect? But, uh, yeah. that's why, you know, clients, a lot of our clients and, and we have clients that aren't churches, but like even with nonprofits, some of the faith-based nonprofits we work with, you know, we'll, I, I tell them up front, look, we're going to, we can use some really polished stuff and we'll do good looking videos and we'll, we'll really, you know, Photoshop this and make it look awesome. And then they'll go, they'll take their staff to lunch and do some crappy picture in a Mexican restaurant with an iPhone seven and, and it blows up and everybody loves it and comments yeah. and likes it. And then the post that we did that we spent three hours on gets five likes and no comments. Yeah. And, and it's just like, yeah, because people like just real stuff. They relate to sitting there eating in a Mexican rest Mexican restaurant. They like seeing you. They like seeing real faces. So um, there's e- there's even a phenomenon on TikTok and Instagram where if a video is too high quality, people skip it because our brain, our current culture's brain is tra- is trained to think high quality equals ad. Yeah. Low quality equals my friend made it so I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, we're running a lot of Facebook ads for churches uh with a check out our church campaign where, you know, it's basically a lead ad. Uh, but the video that we get the pastor to shoot for it, we say, hold up your phone outside of your church. And we don't care if you shake. We don't care, you know, but what we don't want is you yeah. to go into the auditorium. The studio. The fancy camera with the studio. Yeah, yeah. Get the lights perfect behind you. No, we want it to look like you just grabbed your phone and this was just spur of the moment because people will actually watch that. And, yeah. you know, we're, we see for... a about every $20 per month that a church will spend, uh, if we do this right, uh, they'll see one family sign up to attend, uh, to attend a service on Sunday. So, you know, with this $600 budget, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing 30 families a month sign up to attend a service and then about a 60% show up rate. So, you know, that's way better than a billboard where you're spending a thousand bucks and you have no way of tracking whether or not people are coming. Maybe two families came. Maybe like, it worked. Yeah, yeah. Way better value. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we, you know, we can target, uh, we can target people and not just people who are driving past the billboard on their way to work and they live an hour from your church, you know? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Facebook ads can definitely, definitely reach some, reach some people. The cool thing about the Facebook ads though, is like they don't reach church people. (laughs) Well, that's what, that's the number one thing people say, say they hate about Facebook ads is that it, you can't target Christians anymore. And I'm like, you don't want to target Christians. You, you Christians are already going to another church. Exactly. And if a Christian's looking for a new church, they're going to the church that their friend at another church invites them to. So the people, yeah. the people who respond to our ads uh, that we're running, it's the guy who is drunk on his couch on Saturday night. His wife left him and he's scrolling through and sees this pastor saying, Hey, we'd love to see you tomorrow at church. And in his mind, and it very well may be, this was the Lord talking to him saying, you need to come to church tomorrow. And yeah, I've seen timing. those guys show up. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so, you know, if a church, if a church is going to start reaching people with Facebook and a lot of churches really are and doing it right and they're spending some money on it. Um, but you've got to be ready for people who need some ministry because you're not, this is not going to attract a bunch of church people. They, yeah. They're getting invited by in person. They don't need a Facebook ad. So true that. So, um, cool. so what, what is like one idea that you have for churches that, that, that you think would just be awesome? Um, but you don't see a whole lot of people doing it, but you think if, if they would, if, if they would incorporate this or do this thing or tweak this, is there something that you would just love to see more churches doing? Um, doesn't have to necessarily be necessarily be online, but just, just what is the thing? Yeah. One thing that I, I was talking to a group of people, executive pastors last week, and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool. And I've seen some churches do this, very few, is turn your space into a co-working space during the week. Um, I think that'd be so cool if more churches do, did that because the fun thing about co-working spaces is they're just a great environment. Uh, you get a lot of different people from different backgrounds in a space. There's kind of this creative energy that happens. Churches are not being used during the week. The buildings largely are just sitting vacant during the week. What if you invite people from the community? You can even make a little bit of money on the side from it. Yeah. You get the creators, you get the entrepreneurs, you get the movers and shakers in your community, give them a space to work from. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I would love to see that more. And you know, then have your staff working amongst them and let that be also be an opportunity for ministry where you can, you know, during those coffee and water cooler breaks, you can actually talk about what you're working on at the church. That's very cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. I mean, tons of churches around here have, or everywhere have super nice lobbies and super nice coffee shop or cafe or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome to open that up. I would go. Yeah. I would love that. There's a, there's an organization here in San Antonio where I live that, helps churches do that. Mostly churches that are like on the failing side, like they have this building and they're trying to figure out how they can keep it because no one attends anymore. And they're like, we need to make money. So but I'm like, man, you don't have to get to that level. It could actually be a great opportunity for ministry during the week. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome idea. I like that. I like that. Very I agree. Cool. I would love to see more churches. Do that. I would, I would totally work at a church that did that. Yeah, I would too, man. I mean, I like working from home, but I also like having somewhere to go. Um, yeah, for and, sure. Uh, yeah, co-working spaces are kind of expensive. So you know, if there was a 
and you don't have to make them like there's a there's a co-working space in town that really focuses on entrepreneurs and it's 50 bucks a month and like yeah i would i would i would get four different memberships of 50 dollars a month somewhere just to have different places to work and yeah um and 50 dollars a month if you have you know 20 people signed up for that that's a thousand bucks a month that just just for keeping your place open well and and there was a time before i was working from home i was working from a co-working space and i I've got people that were at the co-working space that I do projects with now. I've got clients that were working at the co-working space. The guy that sat beside me was an IT guy, and he is, he just sent me another website uh, for another church um, like two weeks ago. So I, he's he sent two website jobs my way. So the, nice. the networking that happens, too, in, in a co-working space would be um, – and that's, that's a huge opportunity for a church. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're struggling with like pro presenter volunteers or <laughs> yeah. yeah, go, 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 go talk to the guy on the mat, get to know him, get to know him. Well, he might be, be a good Indeed. volunteer. So. Yeah. Our social media people. Cause you get a lot of influencers, a lot of content creators yeah. would be using your space primarily. So, uh, and you know, you can justify having a camera set up for the people who are working there, but then also you can use it for your church. Yeah. It's, it's so many opportunities that I think church could, take it, take advantage of. Hmm. You should write a book about that, man. Or a, or a pamphlet. Maybe that'll be, that's a, that's a few down the, I have a, I have a lot of, of some priorities I have to get through first. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. This has been awesome. And, um, I really appreciate you. Make sure you follow Jonathan on social media and, uh, check out sundaysocial.tv. Some really good stuff on there. So and I appreciate you being with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Me, with me. I mean, there's not really us. It's just me. With us. It's us. We're, it's we're us. collective. We're, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for personalized suggestions to help grow your organization by reaching more people online, please email jono at faithworksmarketing.com.